1: Welcome everyone to another week of Reality Renault with Mitch and Mark. Mitchie, our week had a different perspective this week.
0: Mark, it was all about getting organised. We've got this Renault hangover ahead, our head. We need to get started with that. So we were all about getting organised in the shop, the online store and around this house because we've got to get this thing started. So we
1: can focus on what's happening here. People following us on social media might have seen... A little video with Jason. We've got some more to come because we spent
0: time with him looking at what we want to do. And basically we need to start with an engineer to find out what actually lays beneath the plaster to work out whether we need to do the roof first or where to start. So that's a big focus for us. But this week we had a bit of a treat, as we do every Thursday night, in a little bar just up the road from our shop in Robertson Road, Mrs Robertson's.
1: Yes so you know if it's Thursday night you probably know where we're going to be hanging out. Mrs Robertson's bar and there's a great vocalist there Min
0: Morrison. But he has a special guest come along each week which is his father the legendary trumpeter James Morrison. Yes but you know what's wonderful about this is
1: James is there to support Min and it's not about James it's about how they play together. It is such a wonderful time and you just have like 30 or 40 people there with
0: their own private concert. And speaking of support, our guest this week is a person who actually is a a vital support link for The Block. Yes, we
1: get a chance to talk to this um, person. They would turn up every week and provide support when we were on The Block. They've done it for years for people, but they have so much knowledge about property and
0: real estate. And actually they see The Block as Equally real estate game as well as design, but also her role is very much a supporting of the contestants, which you don't see a lot of on the screen, but the guest this week is the absolutely incredible Shelly Craft. Without any further ado, I would love to welcome somebody that we normally see only under enormous pressure. Yes, yes.
1: this person has seen us at our
0: best and our worst. Mainly our worst the incredible Ms. Shelley Craft. Welcome, Shelley.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me. I know you took a good time in getting to me, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I have been listening to your podcast and it's so great, as you said, to see you guys in a more relaxed fashion. You're looking very relaxed today. We've got a lot of chest happening. We've got some fabulous lace happening. Boys, you're looking good. <laughs> We've
0: well, been going beautiful. hard at the gym, so, you know, at, at our age, if there's any muscle
2: left, you need to show it off. <laughs> This is the thing though, right, isn't it? It's all about just feeling good at no matter what age we are at. I'm, I'm just over 45 now and I think we're hitting our stride. I think we're just think coming good.
1: You know, I think it's so true and I would like at some point to get to talk about the Aging Project because I think that's so interesting. And That's Shelly's podcast. It's Shelley's podcast. Po- Shelley's podcast. Um, what's interesting for us, we always reflect on we're the oldest block contestants living
0: so
2: <laughs> We haven't lost that many. We haven't lost that many. No, but if you wind back the clock to the very start,
0: we are older than anyone that's ever done the block today. Not just yeah, the but oldest you
2: look to- better than any of them. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> oh, Come oh, on, fellas. That'll
1: be our secret. Stop it. Right?
0: No.
2: <laughs> but no
0: actually, I'd like to um, to stop with the aging process. I'd like to go wind the clock way back, way back to had it a- Shelly Craft becomes Shelly Craft, and we have something very much in common because we both, as young teenagers, worked at McDonald's.
2: Yes, we did, and I still credit McDonald's with, oh, look, pretty much any ounce of... Um, work ethic that I have. Um, I was lucky enough to have an amazing franchisee who was very strict on not only uniform, but procedure. And as anyone who's worked at Maccas would know, the QSCV, quality, service, cleanliness, and value. And I still hold those values (laughs) (laughs) so much at the forefront of what I deliver, hopefully, in in any job that I've had since then, and through any job that I will ever have, is delivering quality, service, of course, cleanliness, <laughs> and value and value for money. And and look, it's it's a pretty simple rule, but I got that from Maccas and I do still hold it very much to heart.
0: And organization. I think it helps you be organized, which I think maybe Maccas was good block training, because you had to be organized to make it work. If you if you Yes. If you got out of the system you would fail.
2: And look, not only, obviously we're people, people, and that's how we've ended up in the roles that we're in. But I would say the drive through training. um, Hi, welcome to McDonald's. This is Shelley. Can I take your order, please? Um, Is still very much (laughs) how I present today. (laughs) So yes.
0: So McDonald's was your kickoff to your work career.
2: Well, yes. I guess so. I started there at 14 and 9 months. I think that was the earliest you could Me get too. a job back in the day. Um and I couldn't wait. I was so excited and thrilled to actually work. And and I love working. I love Turning up, I love um, the clocking in, I loved the uniform, I loved the friendships. Of course I love Maccas, and still to this day, you know, you won't find me down at Anger <laughs> Burger King. I am very much a devoted McDonald's, McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> a McDonald's um, fan. fan. Yeah, I am. And and so much of that comes from the good times that I had when I was there so yeah from year 10 right through to year 12.
0: You almost left school to take a management position
2: there? I did actually yes (laughs) much to my parents well they wouldn't let me to be honest we were relocating to Sydney um, for year 11 from Brizzy and I said how about I just stay here with my older brother and sister and get a full-time job at McDonald's there was a junior management position available and I would have been very junior I think I was like 16 at the time Um, but mum and dad said no look you've got to come to Sydney with us which was great that was a wonderful life experience for me as well. Moving schools, moving cities, um, and I just started working at Macca's down there, <laughs> down there as well. So, you just relocated? Yeah, I Macca's did just relocate. Experience. Yeah, that's right. But look, it's funny. I still say to this day, one day, one day, I'll own a McDonald's franchise, and I can't <laughs> wait to be that mentor for for kids coming through and, and teaching them how to fold the bag properly and make <laughs> the perfect Sunday. Um, you know, they're my career aspirations now.
1: But you're also. You're a mentor, like we, we'll get to this a bit later, but you're a mentor on the block too because the role that you play when you come in, we see you once a week, but you are there in the good, the bad and the ugly and you walk in on things that you don't know. Suddenly you walk into a room and you're going, I don't know what's going on this week, but things are not feeling comfortable right now and you have to be there connect in with people and mentor them really.
2: Well, I'm glad you see it that way. I often have people say, what on earth? do you do? Why are you there? (laughs) (laughs) What is the point? Um, But so much of, I believe what I bring to the table isn't necessarily shown on camera. And that's completely fine too, because ultimately um, it's about building relationships with all the contestants and hopefully giving them, yeah, a little bit of a mentor, but a big sister, perhaps a voice that isn't on set or, site every day. I still call it a set. You all call it a building site. Um, you we know, it hell. It, <laughs> yes. But it is about that, just, I guess, a little bit of light relief. Someone who does understand where you've been and where you're going. Yeah. And also, not just the Renault side of it. You've got enough people there telling you about renovation and design and building. You know, the TV side of the block is probably a little bit secondary. Once you get into the swing of things, but to remember that you are exposed, you are opening yourselves up to the world. Um, as I said to you boys and, and all the contestants, your grandmother's watching the show. You know, how would you, how are you going to explain this to your grandma? How is your behavior? How is your language? Um, how do you want to hold yourselves? And as much as we ask you as reality contestants to give us everything, there still has to be a portion of it that you you hold for yourself, and that you can um, say, "No, I'm I'm proud of my actions, even though perhaps that was an explosive moment, or perhaps and you boys have given us some magic moments, um, <laughs> you know us. that you can still you can still not necessarily be proud of yourselves, but understand why yes. it is that happened and how to resolve that at the end. Yes. So I hope yes that I'm not just you know you know, happy-go-lucky, bring some smiles, that, yeah, you do feel like you can just go, oh, look, that wasn't my greatest moment, but we can all pick ourselves up and, and get on yeah. with it and, and you can keep delivering what you do best, which is beautiful rooms, um, amazing television, and what we have now is enduring friendships, which is what I love about it the most.
0: Well, Shelley, we talk about amazing television. You've had an amazing television career starting with the other network, Seven. You
2: you were. Yeah. You, you,
0: You launched with – did you start? You started – Swipping floors, basically.
2: I did. I went up to Channel 7 in Brizzy to do work experience. Um, I'd been at Movie World for oh, about 10 months. That was my gap year after oh, really? year 12. Yeah. I worked at Movie World oh, as cool. an attraction presenter. <laughs> yeah. um, an attraction presenter. An, an attraction, but we weren't presen- ride attendants, Mark. We were attraction oh. presenters. Oh, right. So, so <laughs> Movie speaking. World is a little bit different to other theme parks. There were little scripts before the rides and there oh. were little, you know, dramatic acting roles uh, Before you jumped on the, you know, the gremlins ride or the bat ride. yeah, I had a lot oh. of fun there. I, so I, that was my gap year, and I didn't quite know what I was going to do. Uni was hospitality management. I think I wanted to be like Michelle Pfeiffer in Tequila Sunrise and just <laughs> wander around, you know, <laughs> restaurants in fabulous clothes, asking people whether they're having a nice night. You know, it's a good job. Yeah, if you good can job. Get huh? that. Yeah. yeah, and I guess what, what I do is fairly similar. I walk around <laughs> construction sites asking people whether they've had a good night. Um, <laughs> <laughs> same thing. To but bring different. the
1: cocktails with you sometimes on a Friday, bring a tray of cocktails. Yeah, Friday yes,
2: morning. maybe. For the next series we can have Shelley's barbecues or something but (laughs) um, uh, then I went up to do work experience at Channel 7 and I said I will do anything I don't really even know what it is I want to do, but the mm. idea of TV sounds great. Um, and a girlfriend of mine who I had worked at Movie World with, Teresa Livingston, had just got the role on Agro's Cartoon Connection. And oh, I know wow. most of you think that Teresa and I are the same person. Um, we look very similar. Yes, we both worked on kids' cartoon shows <laughs> when we were younger. And people say, you worked with Agro. I go, yes, I did. I'll take the credit. That's fine. <laughs> um, no, that was not me. I did oh, Saturday wow. Disney, which yes. was same network. Same office, same building. Um, just we had Disney cartoons, and I think she might have had other cartoons. But
1: the thing we, I think is really interesting is what's that, Maggie? Summer Olympics, because you know people associate with you with a lot of um, you know more soft entertainment, would we say fun? Things.
0: Soft entertainment. That sounds but like you did Summer Olympics <laughs> in
1: Sydney, <laughs> and I remember coming into Sydney. I used to I lived in Melbourne then, but coming into Sydney and the, the whole city changed. With the Olympics. What was it like to do that?
2: Oh, look, it was extraordinary. And I'd say to anyone who's ever travelling, go to an Olympic city when an Olympics is on. Not You don't even have to see an event. But if anyone remembers the Sydney Olympics, they just turned it on. Sydney was on fire. It was so magical. And even if you didn't get to a stadium or you didn't get to see um a medal ceremony or an opening ceremony or closing, whatever it might be. There was arts and there was culture and there was theatre and there was parties, and Sydney was just, I think, the best it's ever been. Um, and you know, it always comes up, we could do it again, you know, we could do an Olympics. I know Brizzy's wow. got got the next one or the Gold Coast, um, yeah, but I think if you can go anywhere just to be a part of an Olympics, and I was lucky enough to be a part of the yeah, the broadcasting team. Yes, it was um, amazing back then. Were- I still did color, I did. Did colour stories, colour and movement? Um, oh,
1: <laughs> we just we need like colour and best. movement. You do. You're talking to us, colour and movement.
2: You know, that's right. You are, you boys are the epitome of colour and movement. But it was my my job there, working for Sunrise, was really to show all those other things uh, that were going on in Sydney at the time of the Olympics, and then lucky enough to do a few Winter Olympics with Channel Seven as well, which is you know one of my true passions, and and that's on um, still on the other network now. But that was great, and that was more of your. Um, sports interviews and athlete interviews and things like that, which is, you know, another passion of mine. I've been around a while. I've, I've, you know, worn a few hats.
1: You know, one thing that I find is really interesting, everything that you do, you seem to enjoy life so much. You know, you see that positive in life. You're you're up. What drives Shelley Craft's approach to life?
2: My approach to life is how bloody lucky I am and have been in, in every aspect. Um, you know, I've got an amazing family. I had a great childhood. I've been lucky enough to have jobs that I've enjoyed every minute of. Um, but I do wake up every day and it's a new day and you can choose to look at it either way, can't you? You can say, I'm just not feeling it today. I'm going to take that out on everyone else. So you can say, <laughs> I'm just not feeling it today, but God, I'm here. And aren't I one of the lucky ones to even be here to give it another shot? So, look, I'm not going to say I don't have my crappy days. There's there's days where, you know, there's a hundred other places that I'd rather be or things I'd rather be doing, but I know how blessed I am and and I do try to make the most of everything. You know, when I was working at Movie World, for instance, um, there was the Western Action stunt show. Then and I really wanted to be Calamity Jane because I had these aspirations of being an actor too, once upon a time, Um, a stunt actor, by the way. Um, Not just a not just a regular actor. actor. No, (laughs) no, but I, you know, I shoveled manure for a living because I wanted to show um, the stunt coordinators and and the people in charge of that particular show that I would do anything. To have a shot, so yeah. you know once you've shoveled shit for a living, you know that you know everything is up from there. <laughs> and, and, but is I, but from I there. also enjoyed that. You know, it was a learning experience, and and I'm the first to say that I'm, you know, I'm a I'm a beginner at everything. Every day there's something new to learn. Um, but I've also been exposed to so much. You know, through my traveling on the great outdoors, particularly, yeah. I saw the best and the worst of the world. Um, I saw the best and the worst of of humans. Um, there were countries that we would. Go Go to where you just, you know, here we are trying to sell the dream of isn't this a magic place to come on a holiday? And you know, sort of behind the scenes, you are like, wow, I I didn't know people lived like this. Oh, really? Um, You know, you'd go to India and um, third world countries, but these people still smiled and laughed and giggled and had this amazing appreciation for life. Um, And in situations where we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't let our our animals live in those conditions, but yet, you know, the zest for life. And I guess I've taken a little bit of that on board everywhere I go too. It's like, wow, things could be so much worse. No matter how bad my day is, I know that there is someone going through absolute hell or grief or trauma somewhere else. So how can I sit here in my fabulous world and have any sort of suki lala about that whatsoever? I just can't do it. And it's a mindset. Isn't it? it? It's very much of embracing the adventure as opposed to going, Oh God, this is hell scary. And I just can't do it. But I think it's a personality type too. I think you're, you're born as a glass half full or a glass half empty person. And we can all change that but you've got to Mm. work on it and you've got to want to look at things differently and and I sort of talk about that fake it till you make it pretty much but that that's the same for your mindset as well you can wake up every day and go it's a crap day but I'm going to pretend it's awesome and Mm. eventually that will kick in and you will sort of kid yourself almost that every day is awesome and suddenly you're like me you know 30 years later and every day is awesome
1: (laughs) well that's interesting Shelley you talk about that because you know, for people, probably a number of people listening, they can struggle with that sometimes. Maybe in their lives they've had challenges that they have found very difficult to deal with, relationship issues, that sort of stuff. But that whole belief system and what you tell yourself, mm-hmm. it's like what what you tell yourself becomes real. Mm. And um, I guess it's it's what you choose to tell yourself. But it's important that people don't feel guilty about how they feel, but it's how they can change their perception of life or change their perception of what's happening to them. And and what you're talking about is a choice to say, how do I feel better about this? How do I embrace or, or, or have some happiness in life?
2: Mm. Or what am I learning? What What is there to learn from this? Yes. And I'm not saying you have to be happy every day. Like that's that's a big ask, isn't it? But to yeah. be aware and appreciative uh, of the good things. surely even in the darkest times there's one one good thing or one good thought or memory or dream that might just help you get through that day and then the next day you do the same you know you just think of that one thing and maybe the next day there's two good things that you can draw on and look I'm uh, you know I, I can't even imagine being in a place where you couldn't think of one thing that's worth getting out of bed for, you know. Um, Troubling
0: troubling a block contestant, love.
2: (laughs) Well, I say to you, I say to you, oi, you signed up for this. This is not the Hunger (laughs) Games. You know, we did not pull your name out of a fishbowl. You (laughs) wanted to be here. Why? I don't know, but you did. (laughs) So Hmm. toughen up, buttercup, and get out (laughs) of bed.
1: (laughs) You, You have said that. And on that, would you ever do it? Would you no. ever do The Block? No, I would never
2: do The Block. Oh, my oh, God. It, I would rather do, oh, I was about to say, any other reality show. No, I will never do Dancing with the Stars. I will never oh, do that S.A.S. I great. will never do Survivor. But The Block is harder than any of them, and I've seen it now for, what, 13 seasons, how bloody hard The Block Scotty's, is.
1: Scotty's doing a house this season. I reckon Shelley could do one next season. You could do Celebrity yes. Block.
2: I had this I had this idea. Yeah. You know the Stig in? Um, yes.
1: What's that? A, a top Gear.
2: Yeah, Top Gear. They had like this driver that no one knew who they were, right? Mm. So I've pitched it to Jules a couple of times and he has never taken me up on it, but um, there's probably a good reason for that. But the Stig <laughs> room, so every room you guys present your rooms and then there's this random room that gets put oh. up and you're not sure who did it which team was responsible? Was it me and Neil? Was it oh, Darren and yes. Scotty? Was it Shayna and Neil? Did they present a room? And we get judged along with everyone else. So there's oh. like this this extra house that gets done, but no one's sure who's done it. a bit
1: of judgment. You know, oh, my we'll God, fans. we
2: might be back this year to do that.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so.
2: Would you do it again? You'd do it again. You'd do it again in a heartbeat.
0: In a heartbeat, Shelley, yeah, last time as much as there was tough times or whatever, we had so much fun right up until the last day. And I and I have Oh no,
2: there me. was a, f- a couple of other days in there that weren't much fun. Yeah, but remember
0: pl- there's plenty of tough times. But overall, if we sort of round it all out, we had such a great time. And I do and I'll never forget walking past our our cottage on the way to the auction, looking at the cottage and saying to Mark The reserves are really high. I don't think we make any money, but I'm so proud of what we presented and we had fun. We wanted to experience fun, so we've already won. If we make no money, it's all good. And then it got better.
2: Yeah, well, I know your motivation for coming back on a second time was to have a much more enjoyable experience. It was never going to be easier. No one ever questioned that the block gets easier every year. Um, But you really made that conscious decision of our mindset will be different this time around. That aside, was the renovation easier or was this block harder physically and mentally? Forget the friendships, forget the other contestants. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That's a really good question and I think it – the way that you frame that question also talks to the mindset conversation we just had because we changed our mindset and said, we want to have fun this time. We've been lucky enough, and we've said this many times, we are so lucky, and it was a gift to be asked to do the block the first time was a gift. At that time, it was so overwhelming. I don't know that we saw it as as easily. This time, we went and going, this is a gift. This is something... That is so rare that you get to do, and we got to do it again with our best friends, Jason and Stevie. I mean, what a gift that somebody says, "Take this money and do anything you want to this house." So we did change our mindset about it.
0: Um, But but I think also, um, it probably started out easier the first few weeks because the the build in the early stage was easier. Mm. But then when we, we we won we won week two, and we didn't win beyond that. So because of of lack of winnings, we had to work harder. to. So it kind of brought it, for us it brought it up to Oslo level once we got yes. into it because we had to put in the hours in order to finish rooms and remain within budget. Mm. So we had to have less labour. So, yeah, it was just as hard physically, but our mindset made it easy because we focus on injecting joy. Mm. I, think,
1: I think the other thing, Shelley, I feel very proud of is that Oslo was so huge. And I'm very proud of that. Driving past that building every time, you know, we don't do it very often. But when we're doing the hand You're and completely block, we drive traumatized,
2: we're we driving up Gray Street. No, no, don't make me go. Flashback,
1: <laughs> absolutely. After we finished the Oslo, there is no way on earth that I would go have gone back and done the book <sighs> mm. because it was just I just felt so overwhelmed by it. Going back and doing the All Stars and helping Harry and Tash mm. helped me kind of recover a bit. I think. Proud of the Oslo because that was so enormous, proud of what we did in that space because it was so different. Proud of Hampton because it was there was no floor plans. And I think, you know, when you look at that, and it's you know, it can look sometimes on TV like, oh, it's just putting the walls up. To plan that space, to work it out and try to measure up, you know, for a kitchen to be made when there is dirt and we don't even know where the walls are gonna go. Mm. I'm very proud of that. That process, and thank goodness for Nicole Jacobs who helped us with the floor plan when she went, look at that space, and went, oh, my God, there's our fourth bedroom. Mitch did an amazing job creating a space above a garage that didn't exist. Um, That's tough when you're trying to draw plans and imagine 3D with nothing.
2: No, and most people would have six to eight Months, if not you know, if not longer, to plan that renovation. When you've got mm. six to eight hours, mm. um, you know, to plan that renovation and to lock it in for good with no other concept of how the rest of the house I know the kitchens are done in that first few days of arriving on the block you don't even know really what style you're going for and perhaps you did have a heads up in that in that direction that you had been there before so you knew it was going to come around fast Um, but it's crazy for me to see six or eight weeks later when those kitchens get installed how you've either managed well to bring the rest of the house into that or how some people have kind of cocked it up along the yeah. <laughs> along the way too. Yeah, and you know that's that true. that's you know that's half the game really, isn't it? Absolutely. But Shelley, you've got
0: a big background moving on from all the TV experience, but you got a big background in renovation and now real estate.
2: Yeah, look it's more of a hobby. For me, I guess, you know, they, and luckily, again, in in my life, they said, turn your hobby into your career if you can, and you'll never work a day in your life. Mm. Um Luckily, I've had that many interests and that many career changes, even though it's always TV, every role I've done has been a little bit different, although now dissecting with you, it's they're all the same. I just turn up and have a laugh and have a good time and go um, <laughs> I thought there was a lot more to it than that, <laughs> but obviously not. Um, no, I do. We I've, I've, I've renoed and uh, my parents built our family home, so I was always around, you know, construction sites, building sites. My dad's a civil engineer. Um, so there's always been, you know, that smell of putty in the, in yeah. the air. Yeah. Um, and I know one of our family homes, I didn't want to move at all. I, I loved our house and mum and dad said, well, if we, mo- we are moving, so what is it that's going to entice you to feel better about this particular move? Um, and of course I said, oh, well, I want a horse paddock and I want blue carpet and I want uh, blue walls, you know, like your, your, your you know, China uh, mum. <laughs> and so they did. So here is my bedroom in the house of this beautiful home that mum and dad designed and yet my bedroom <laughs> <laughs> was bright blue with bright blue carpet, um, but now I say the same things to my girls because Edie, my little one, reminded me she's nine that she's lived in fourteen houses um, and she's only nine. Um, and every time we go to move or do a new project or think of an idea, I say, "Well, girls, give me a wish list and we'll see if we can make it happen." Um, so yeah, it's look, it's a bad habit more than more than anything. My my renoing um, and the block sort of spurs that on every season. You see more and you see. New product, and you see exciting yeah. ideas, and and then you come home and go, hmm. Well, this one's done now. What can I well, do next?
1: I, I was curious about that to see whether that involvement on the block spurs what can we do next? Because I think Mitch and I probably feel a bit like that sometimes too. So I can't imagine what our final home would be because within a year or two you go, oh, I wouldn't mind changing that. You know, no, we, came we, up, do but we came home something new. We came home from that? the
0: block and were depressed at our home. Oh, <laughs> I
1: oh. thought, seriously, this is where we live and and so what do you love about real estate why is that so fascinating oh,
2: look again it was sort of the voyeurism of it I suppose I'd go to open homes on weekends when I was a you know early 20s just to see how other people lived and what they'd done and and ideas and um I just loved that whole concept of how other people lived and I suppose again you know the the great outdoors was a a bit of a catalyst for change and design as well. We'd stay in some amazing, you know, six-star hotels around the world, but the difference between a caravan park in Switzerland and a caravan park in New Zealand or, you know, um, outback Queensland, you'd see so many Ways of living and ways of life, um, and real estate really is that as well. So, from domestic blitz, which was another show that uh, where Scotty and I first worked together, was about going into people's homes who were having a tough time. You know, Aussies oh, well, that, that were going a, through. It was a beautiful some, show. It was a mm-hmm. beautiful show. Yeah. Um, you know, Aussies that were having a really rough time, and perhaps helping them in the smallest way by making over their homes, creating a sanctuary, um, creating that that more comfortable way for them to live with their families, um, that was a really special time. But working with some incredible designers and architects and um, interiors interior teams to see how you could transform a home so quickly. So I think that's where, you know, that, that real fire was lit for me, as in you can make instant change, Mm. Um, you can transform an entire house in a weekend if you, you know, if you just rip in and and get it done. And to see those transformations, you know, that does then go, oh, okay, so all I need to do is a quick paint job and hang some new pictures and a place will feel like new. So, um, yeah, to be able to sort of walk into people's houses and go, oh, if only they they did this or if only that happened over there or if this was my house, I'd knock out that wall, um, it does become a bad habit. But real estate itself, look, that sort of grew. We have a real estate agency here in Byron Bay. My husband is the director and Brad Cranfield, who was a block contestant yes. um, in oh, the yeah. early days with his wife, Lara, and then Brad came back on and Brad and Dale did a series together. Wow. Um, he's our business partner up here. He's in real estate as well here in Byron. So, you know, keeping it in the family. <laughs> and um, it's the three of us and we just have a great time and love, you know, helping people find their forever homes or helping people transition into a different way of life here in Byron if they're coming out of a city. Um, So for us, it's not about really selling the house as such or or, um, helping someone find that house. It's that whole transition of Welcome to your new life, and you know we hope you love our community.
0: So, as I say, so what, what is your role within the real estate? Well, it's the same as she's been doing all her career.
2: Yeah, just smiling Looking. and welcoming people, <laughs> <Yeah>. and oh, <laughs> opening that, the door and saying, "Welcome, come she's on in." Got an, it's, it's great.
0: So, if I go to look at a home in Byron Bay, am I likely to see you at an open home?
2: Yes, you are. Oh wow! Yes.
1: Real estate's been really, you know, for us it's been very interesting in the last 12 months. I mean, obviously the block's been interesting but real estate generally because with with COVID, you know, we'd bought into Newport just before the COVID restrictions happened and I thought property prices would go down. Mm -hmm. I said to Mitch, bunker in because I think it's going to be rough and we've seen people move from the CBD from inner city Sydney up here into Newport and prices have gone crazy As a real estate background person and somebody who's been involved in renos and property, what do you think the next few years looks like for Australia? You know, where's property going?
2: Look, my opinion is anywhere along the east coast, anywhere with a little bit of space, you're going to be fine. Your your prices are going to keep going up. Um, There's always going to be that desire for Australians to live closer to the beach with a bit more room. Um, we've seen COVID, you know, the, the best of COVID was, I think, proving to people that there is a different way of life there. You've just got to embrace that. And I don't say everyone's going to pack up and move um, to a regional area or, or something, but that idea of I can do things a little bit differently and if I was to, say, move to a regional town, what opportunities are there? You know, could I work remotely or do I find something else to do with my life that I really love, that I can do with more space around me or more time for my family. Um, having said that, I think a lot of people too realise that, no, I do love the city. I need that energy and I need that connection with other people and I need to work in an office where I'm feeding off the energy of other um, others, other others, workmates around me. But I think regional areas um, are going to continue booming, whether it's the tree change or the sea change. That That's going to continue to grow. There's no doubt about it. Um, interest rates are always going to be a tricky one. And I know we've sat at, you know, flatlined yeah. for a few years now. So it's gonna
0: change soon.
2: Yeah, it does. Um and I think that's where perhaps there's going to be a little bit of discomfort um for for people there, which is which is tough because everyone everyone deserves that sanctuary. Every Aussie should be able to own their own home. There is no reason um for this, you know, this happy country. For people to be struggling to find somewhere to live—that's just to me, yeah. that's the most heartbreaking thing about our economy at the moment.
1: You know, we hear a lot of people these days talking about being worried about the future for their children getting into property. You know, a lot of people, and we we often hear people saying it's so hard. You know, how do kids get into property? Like, do you have any advice for people? Is it like just just buy something? How do you start?
2: Yeah, look, I, I guess I would I would say once your foot is in the door, you can then always leverage off that and I know there are some amazing mentors and some incredible uh, books and podcasts and and blogs out there about how to do just that but I would say you know just get in the door it doesn't have to be your forever home and you don't even have to live in it you know there's an amazing rental market out there but if you have saved enough for a deposit and again with interest rates so low at the moment I'd say if you've got a skerrick of of lending in you or job security in you um, just get in the door and look to those regional areas because yes, you may not want to live there, but somebody does, somebody will, and somebody will rent that property from you. And once you have that first little holding and property prices will increase. We've got, you know, we've got so much space here in Australia. And there will once the, you know, once the doors open, um, we will see that that flood of immigration again um, and people wanting to live here, because it is such a beautiful place to be. So I'd say just do what you can to get in the door and from that point you can always grow from there
1: but I like that that idea and it's that positive statement is even if it's not where you ideally want to live now you've got to start your plan long term so you might buy something regionally that is a rental and we've spoken to people on this podcast where that's their strategy they don't Mm -hmm. live in the property they buy and rent it out Mm -hmm. because it could be five six seven eight years we you're aiming towards that home that you really want. And I guess yeah. it's also why renovation is important, you know. That's, why That's
2: it, right. You, you know, you know what a lick of paint can do. You can yes. know what just doing a little bit of tidying up in the yard can do. You can yeah. make enormous changes with very little funds and very little effort.
0: Shelley, speaking about property and big property, like people going regional, this year on the block, they're going regional. Absolutely. What kind of yes. Okay. And, and they took, they took, now, if if I've got it right, they are doing ten hectare lots. Each each yep. duo, each couple have a ten hectare lot. Is that correct?
2: I think they're ten acres. Are they 10, hectares? Ten, 10 acres, hectares. I think. 10 10 hectares? Hectares. That's, that's See, this is how much I know Big. before I go in. To that's the... been old
0: fashioned. Old. They're at the hectares these. days. I'm
1: they? just figuring they're going to need a Shelly Craft buggy for you to get between houses to have a chat.
2: Oh, or a horse. Give me a horse. Oh, be
1: fun! be fun. (laughs) You and Scotty riding up.
2: That's right, hitching. They're going to have to have a you know pitch and rail out the front for us to hitch our horses to. But it's just Um, hard to imagine, isn't it? It's hard to imagine. Well, it's hard to imagine. You know how hard it is to do a um, a residential home in twelve weeks. If they now have. Oh, I don't know, paddocks and sheds oh. and, oh, God, what would you even do with that land? Um, yes. Yeah, they're yeah. going to have to do some serious research and I'm amazed at the amount of contestants that come on the show having done very little research um, yes, into like design <laughs> or the area or the demographic. Um, and I guess that's where my, you know, real estate has sort of kicked in on the show mm. is please, I know you don't have You know, two minutes to scratch yourselves, but go and talk to the local agents, find out what's selling in the area, what people are asking for, what they want, um, and then create, you know, someone's dream home right there. So, yes, it's going to be big this season. There is no doubt. um, Every year, I think, how is Scotty and the team going to make this bigger and badder than the last? And And they do every year, they do. And this year, they've gone, (laughs) they've gone next level.
1: They've gone, they have, you said something then and I really like the distinction around the block and the block is so, the Australians love it so much. And and overseas, we get lots of people who see it overseas who love it. The design element's great, but it's a real estate competition too.
2: I believe so, yes. Yes,
1: and I've heard and I've read that you've talked about that as well. This is So your knowledge and what you just talked about then, go and do your research is so important. That applies if you're also looking to get into a market somewhere if you're wanting to buy. And I think a lot of people get scared of asking questions, scared of going in and talking to real estate agents in that local area to find out more about, you know, what's happening in an area. Mm. Um, we certainly in the Hampton season, we thought about that area. We thought about it with Oslo too, St Kilda being a very different area than Hampton. And we walked around and looked at houses and we spoke to neighbours in the cul-de-sac to say, how do people live here? Because it's about the real estate construction
2: well, that was integral in your design, wasn't it? It was all about yes. the front yard ultimately, wasn't yeah, it? And you wanted yeah. the parents to be able to sit there in the front yard and watch their kids play either within their yard or in your neighbour's yards or in the cul-de-sac and on the street and your entire design was geared for, for that from the very beginning. You had your beautiful private family sole sanctuary area at the back with the pool where, you know, mum doesn't want to be sitting in the front yard in a bikinis but she's happy <laughs> to be out the back, you know, in a swimmer's. Um, um, but yeah, to be able to have those afternoons, which we all dreamt of as kids. And, and we were yes. lucky enough to live in a time where you did play in the cul-de-sac until dark, you know, yes. until the dinner bell rang or for mum, it was like, when the street lights go on, you got to come inside, you know, that yes, was kind of, that. that was it. And I think, um, Bronte Court was very much that for all of us was about how are the families going to live? And, and you did that the best. And obviously. Took out the block.
0: I think winning the block is about it's so totally up to more. somebody wanting your place more than another house, it's two so people much. wanting your house. It's auction order. It's who turns up on auction day. It's
1: real estate. It's,
2: oh, it, it's a game. It, it is a <laughs> And it's game. a bloody it tough one. It's a game. Absolutely. But,
1: you know, talking about that stuff, and we spent a lot of time with you, at the beginning of this conversation you were talking a bit about Critiques and I've seen critiques where people go, Oh, what's Shelley Craft do? She just comes in and she chats and she's just all bubble.
2: Oh, I was and kidding. I, have you actually really seen people like that? <laughs> no, <laughs> I haven't said it, but I've read.
1: <laughs> no, but, um, and I I know I'd said earlier that you actually mentor and you're there in our darkest times. And I've had that where it's been, it's just the worst day and I really don't want to talk. And then it's been a when Shelly put Delta Goodwin Delta, in and, and I was like, I'm I said Mark, for by say, it's Delta easy, Be friendly, it's, and it was too much, but. From a behind-the-scenes perspective, auction day, which is a crazy day, I just have to say to you, the way you manage that auction day is it was amazing, incredible. And for people listening, you see on TV this kind of these snippets happening. Shelley Craft is standing with all of us there, wound beyond belief, in front of a TV with an earpiece, and you have to manage and respond to us. You're, you're not seeing information, you're being told stuff. How you manage that day, I just think is amazing.
2: Because there's no script. It's
1: huge talent.
0: There's no script because no one knows what's going to happen. No,
1: it's not. And it's just incredible.
2: Thank you. Thank you it very is. much. It is.
1: It's, uh, the, we walked back in from our auction like blithering messes and it was a tough day at, at the office for Ronnie and Georgia. It was a tough day for all of the contestants and, you know, we're being very candid. It was a tough day for us because we felt guilty,
0: mm.
1: and mm. and for people listening, Shelley Craft took us aside and just said, "Boys, you just—I know that they're your friends and you're feeling for them, but you need to enjoy this. You've just won the. Ball.
0: This is your time. This is your moment.
1: Enjoy." And it. I will never forget that because you were so sensitive to every couple there amongst all this stuff going on with cameras and interviews, and you were sensitive to running in Georgia, but you were actually sensitive to where we were because we were in shock.
2: Well, everyone's journey is so different and everyone's motivation for coming into the show is different and I'm sure by the time they get to auction day, you know, their motivation is very different again and they've had time to reflect and they've watched, again, their behaviour over the, over the show and they've seen – how they've grown and changed, and that is my biggest joy of the block is watching people, even as the elder statesman, as yourselves, how much you grow and change as people over the series. I'm very conscious of what it is you all want and need from the show, what you expect the block to deliver, whether it does, whether it doesn't, and I guess my biggest piece of advice is always this is just the beginning. What you choose to do with this experience once you leave, that's what is going to make you most proud or um, give you the greatest satisfaction. Yes, we all want to walk out of here with half a million bucks. Who doesn't? That's not where the joy is going to come from and that's not where the reward's coming from. And it can certainly help you on your way. I'm not sneezing at, you know, a, a monetary prize, but I know There's so much more after that. You can, you know, examine it all you like. You can try and, as you say, decipher whether it's auction order, whether it's this, whether it's that, bedrooms, bathrooms, whether it's, you know, the full moon, whatever it might Mm. be. Who knows? Once that train leaves the station on auction day, you just got to hang on for the ride and, as I said, know that everyone's... Mission for being there is different, well, and, and I think we, we you know, know it's my won. job to bring that to the audience as well. I am sort of bringing them in as the sixth couple um, yes. into the show, and everyone yeah. sitting at home is rooting for you the whole time. And yeah, you've got to be sensitive to everybody's feelings, but you deserve that win, fair and square. You created a okay. magnificent home, you worked your guts out, and no matter who mm-hmm. had won that day, everyone deserved it. Everyone deserved the win that day. Yes.
1: So, one last thing I've got is. Aging Project. Tell me a little bit about your podcast and where can people hear it, and and what drives you.
2: Oh, this was a really interesting one. This um, is the creation of a girlfriend of mine that we were growing up in Brizzy at the same time. So she started the Aging Project. Amanda is her name, and for her, she had lost her mum at um, a, quite an early age and a formative time in a, in a girl's life, and she started asking, "Am I destined?" the same thing? Is this genetic? Is this hereditary? Am I, you know, is this my path? Is this my life path? Or is there something I can do to change the course of of my future? So Amanda put together the Aging Project. It's basically a, a community group on Instagram, just asking experts about, you know, again, can I change if I make positive changes in my diet, in the way I exercise, in how I go about life, in my mindset. Um, you know, can I change the course of my future? And for her, doing the interviews with all these amazing um scientists, doctors, well being experts was a little bit daunting. So she just asked whether I would be happy to do those interviews. And I said, well, What are you asking me for? I'm not I'm not getting old. She goes, Shelly, we're forty five. I went, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so so what? I don't feel a day over 20. Hmm. And so it really put in my mind hang on a second. If I don't get onto this now, am I, you know, if I miss the bus? Um, so that sort of sparked the interest for me. Jesus, I am, I am getting (laughs) older. I'm not getting old. I am aging. Um, and how do we age well? So that's the question that I ask all of my guests, is what is your key to ageing well? And as I said, we speak to people who have very different takes on what that is from the science right through to the holistic. And there's just some great women on board that say it is just all about your outlook on life. The one thing that does come up time and time and time again is just being present, being good to yourself, listening to your body and having time for you.
0: Shelley, thank you so much for joining us today. We're we're very privileged to have met you and to have worked with you and to have had the whole experience.
1: Yes, and I want to come and see you in Byron.
2: Oh, yes, please. Come on up. The weather is fine. And we'll
1: also pop in our um, podcast notes, a link through to your ageing podcast. Oh,
2: thank you very much. Yes, The Ageing Project. You can find it wherever you get your good podcast, wherever you find this podcast. I'll be there too.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much. It's so gorgeous to see you. You look fabulous as always.
2: No, oh.
0: Mark, isn't Shelley Craft the most delightful person? She's full of positivity and joy and... Definitely in the glass half full camp, such an interesting uh, career, starting with McDonald's all the way through so many different genres of TV, but all pretty much reality type TV.
1: Yeah, you know, it's so good to talk to her and spend a little more time. Often on the block, your time is five or 10 minutes with her and then managing the auction. But listening to positivity and how she approaches life, I think um, her podcast that she's doing, The Ageing Project, sounds fantastic. It is important, though, that we let listeners know, you know, sometimes you can have days where it feels a little tougher than normal. And if you do need support, please know it's okay to ask for support. We will leave details in our podcast notes for some of the support services like Lifeline or Beyond Blue that um, are there to support you too
0: in your journey. So that's a wrap for this week. Thank you so much for joining us on Reality Renner with Mitch and Mark. And remember, we love a review, so judge us as much as you like. And look for our podcast where you find all good podcasts, including Spotify, iTunes, and Acast. Bye for now, guys. Catch you next time.
2: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things.